today on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Michael Rafferty, the man who uh, the the man convicted of killing eight year old Tory Stafford, is asking Ontario's top court for a new trial. To talk more about all of this, uh, Alex Pearson is with us, who covered the Tory Stafford case and is with us now. Hello, Alex. How are you today? Nice, Scott. Good, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. You know, I think about how many times we talked during the Tim Bosma trial, and uh, we weren't chatting during the, the Tory Stafford trial, but I certainly do remember that. Uh, does this not take a toll on you, sitting through these trials and, and, and doing this type of work? And, of course, we don't mean to diminish the victims or anything of that nature, but, boy, these are, are pretty tough to endure, are they not? Well, they, the, both of the proceedings for Tory Stafford were very heady, as you'll recall. Uh, McClintock pleaded out, so she pleaded to first-degree murder, so she read out an agreed statement of facts, which lasted about three hours. And I remember that day, and I think about that day, and there is not one day since that day that I have not thought about what happened to Tory Stafford, because when it comes to children murders, they're in a category all on their own. And I covered uh, Michael Rafferty's proceedings as well. That itself was a jury trial in London. So it was a little bit more methodical, more slow-paced. The information came out um, in a slower fashion. And so it, was, it felt much different. It was much more procedural, whereas uh, Terry Lynn McClintock, it, you, you got, according to her, every gruesome detail about what happened to Tory Stafford. And it was conversation um, between her and Michael Rafferty where um, there were moments when you knew Tori Stafford could have been released, could have been given her life. And it was McClintock uh, who did not um, give her that chance. You know, Tori Stafford, and, and these are the kind of haunting memories for me, Tori looked at Terry Lynn McClintock as almost a mother figure, as in a, a female, she trusted her. Mm-hmm. to protect her against Mr. McClintock and kept saying, please, 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 I'll do anything. Just let me go. Just, I will, I will run away. And there were a couple of opportunities where McClintock could have, in fact, released that child and, and reassured Tori that she wouldn't let anything happen to her. And of course, I'll spare you the details, but that is not what happened. And, and so those are the kind of haunting details we got in the McClintock case that we didn't necessarily hear in the Rafferty proceedings, but but they do stay with you for sure. So you can only imagine what Tory's family, who are, again, in Toronto, at an appeal court in downtown Toronto, listening to this again, what they go through. Hmm, man. Uh, are you surprised that, that we're going through this process? Or, you know, anything there, or is this just all part of the process? Well, I'm disgusted that it's four years later. I'm not surprised ever when I hear an appeal. This is very routine. Of course, Smitch and uh, Millard are both going through the appeal process, but that happens pretty quickly. What's unique in this situation is that it has taken four years to get this thing before a court. So for her family, for the Stafford family, um, this is something that then hangs over their head day in, day out, and they don't truly get the peace. Mm. and the recovery and the healing that they need. It's just constantly, every time they seem to get on with their life, they're pulled back in. Um, so does it surprise me? Sadly, no. It disgusts me, yes, but this is the system we seem to accept in this country. Will they have to read, uh, relive those gruesome details again? Um, well, those were two different proceedings. These two were not tried together. So the McClintock hearing, which again was a plea deal, 
um, what was different in the sense that we got so much detail. Rafferty, on the other hand, denied his involvement. He placed it, of course, on her. And that's pretty much which is at the, the core of this appeal is that he's saying she's not believable. It, in fact, was her and the jury um, was not properly instructed to, to remember that she was not a reliable witness um, because, you know, she herself was a drug addict. Uh, so he tried to pass it on her. At no time did he ever apologize, show remorse, show regret, whereas during her deal, she cried. Uh, she was a mess. She had to keep a bucket beside her and kept having to leave the court. Um, she claimed she was sorry. She claimed to feel regret. She claimed uh, to feel remorse. They were very, very different, whereas he is, again, I didn't do it. It was her. I was just there. Uh, laying it at her feet, but it, it doesn't seem to be something the the three judges are really buying because uh, there there's been quite a bit of, of pushback, as I understand from those in the court, um, of of what they're hearing and what what is being asked of them. So I, I in my gut, I don't think this is going to go ahead. I hope it doesn't go ahead, uh, but stranger things have happened. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.